This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Well, thank you so much for listening and welcome into the first edition of the reincarnation of the radio.com batter up podcast my name is will pelagic i'm joined by joe patrick and caleb johnson our braves insiders and we will be your home for the braves when baseball does eventually start back up and of course until then as we try to figure out how baseball works in this new normal you can find us on Twitter, of course, at 92.9 The Game, and of course, also at our Twitter accounts. My Twitter account is at Willie P. Style. Joe Patrick, our Braves insider, at JA Patrick 200, and Caleb at ATL Johnson 18. You'll be able to hear us either Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning for now as we get yourselves ready for the season. And then once we're in season, hopefully we'll do something Monday morning, but. That will still be determined as, of course, we really don't know what the baseball schedule looks like. But before we get into kind of talking about where we sit right now, we wanted to kind of take some time to tell you kind of a little bit about ourselves, our connection to baseball, and our connection to the Braves. I'll start with Caleb because, Caleb, I know that a lot of this was originally kind of uh, your brainchild here. And uh, as I look at you through our Skype meeting, I see the Johnson 18 uh, Braves jersey in the background. Uh, th- that is dyed in the wool red for the Braves. Yeah, so I have 18 because that was always my number uh, growing up playing sports. I was born on the 18th. That just kind of stuck. Um, but putting it on me that this is my brainchild, I think might be giving me a little bit too much credit. Um, I definitely wanted to, to do something Braves related just because it's a passion of mine. It's one of, it is one of the few teams that I have always been involved with since a child. Uh, I grew up, um, I was always a sports fan. My family were not big sports people. So I really had to push hard to to go and and watch events or you know ESPN things like that. Just whatever it was, I had to kind of go push to go watch and go see stuff. And the Braves were just one of the first things that I was always attached to. Uh, so I mean, it just makes sense to to want to talk about talk about the Braves, especially since they're the hometown team. And Joe, you might know, of course, from our 92.9 The Game on-air product, of course, uh, as our Braves insider. He's been inside the clubhouses. He's been a big part of our Braves coverage. And Joe, I, I have to imagine that this is something that is, again, the culmination of a dream come true, somebody who is uh, covering this team now on a day-in and day-out basis. Yeah, I mean, I love the podcast format in general. I do podcasts for other sports I cover. If, if nobody's familiar, I cover Atlanta United for 92.9 The Game, but also for uh, I run Dirty South Soccer. But I just love kind of getting to talk in this kind of format because when we do radio bits, you know, obviously we have a goal to try to cover as much as we can and you know, the, the pertinent information of the day as much as we can. And I, I kind of like this just kind of 
chilling, just like, you know, having a chilled out conversation. And I don't get to really talk about my personal experience with the Braves as much on the air because of that. So, like, just I guess just to give some people some background, I was actually born in California, but I moved to Georgia in 1994. Yeah, 1994. And so my first real Braves memory is of them winning a World Series. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. So you're so you're that kid. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but like they won that World Series, and I'm kind of like Caleb. Like my well, my my family is a sports family, but none of them are real hardcore baseball. My mom is actually more into baseball. Was more into baseball growing up than my dad. My dad just never really lived in kind of baseball country growing up, and it never really kind of grabbed him. So. You know, when you're a kid, it's oftentimes it's your dad who's, you know, taking you to games or whatever it is. And so uh, having that World Series experience, that kind of thrilling win really kind of ignited, um, you know, the just the passion for baseball um, that I held on to for a long time. And, you know, honestly, I kind of fell out following the Braves as closely as I did for a lot of my life about, you know, I guess it was around the time when they started doing the rebuild, um, when they traded Jason Hayward, they traded, you know, they kind of traded a lot of these pieces that they had acquired over a long period. Obviously, it was very kind of thrilling as a sports fan to be following the Braves through all their division series run. Um, but yeah, it's kind of me. And so it's I've, it's been a just a privilege and an honor to be able to be in the clubhouse as I was last year. I, mean, I remember the first, or I'm sorry, the last spring training game was at what it's truest park now it was SunTrust park last year of course and i remember bobby cox uh kind of like sneaking in from behind us and going into the clubhouse i was like wow bobby cox right there like it's just you know when you're around sports when you're working in sports you try to keep your cool and you do and you do you do but inside sometimes you just kind of get the i don't know i wouldn't call them butterflies really but you just kind of get that that excitement when something like that happens so that was kind of a really cool moment for me and then just being all in the clubhouse all through last year was amazing. So I'm the newest voice of the three of us, newest to Atlanta, newest to uh, Braves, but I'm I'm far from somebody who is new to appreciating and watching the Braves. You know, I grew up in the Northeast and bounced around a bunch of different places, including Singapore, and then I no when kidding. I came when I came back uh, to the United States in 1998. I moved to Northern Virginia, and literally the only baseball I had was the American League stuff with the Orioles, ew, the Cubs on WGN, ew, or the Braves on the Superstation. And that was, you know, I I am like, I'm sure a lot of Braves fans who either are this place from Atlanta or didn't even grow up in Atlanta, and yet they were turned on to the Braves by the Superstation. And I think that that has a very big creation in itself when it comes to the appreciation of this franchise. You know, I talk a lot about, you know, when I used to live in Missouri, that's how a lot of people came to be St. Louis Cardinal fans because they had, as, as, as the Braves had a strong TV network, the Cardinals always had that strong radio network, one of the most vast and expansive uh, radio networks, not to mention their flagship KMOX can be heard as far away as, as even where I was in Virginia and in New York. So uh, that's kind of how I got into the mid-90s Braves, you know, in 95, 96, 97, and, and the big run through the late 90s and early 2000s, and and just the, the way that this franchise has always developed its players and done things from the ground up has always been an admiration for me, and 
the fact that uh, basically for the last three years before I joined 92.9 and, and this year that I've been here, uh, I've been able to have the Braves basically as part of my my coverage purview is is really, really cool to see because you've gotten to see that, and you mentioned the rebuild, Joe, uh, the fact that you were able to see the pieces come up not only through the system but through the draft and the way that this franchise has built itself into one of the perennial franchises in the National League it's extraordinary, and it's it's just something that teams don't really know how to do anymore. I mean, you know, you see it every once in a while. You saw the Royals try to do it uh, in the mid 2010s, but now they've fallen off. But it's it's so hard to to not only build that and to sustain it. And I think the Braves are probably the closest team right now to figuring out how to do that. I would say, guys. I mean, I think it's re- the the situation that the Braves in is is really interesting because. What they've done over these last couple of years is really incredible to have had this kind of rebuild that they've had and really against the odds both in 2018 and 2019 to come back and win the NL East. I mean, I think both of those last year was kind of it felt a little bit more um, like it was supposed to happen. But if you go back to the way that spring training was going, that was nobody was really picking the Braves. It was a lot of Phillies because of they had, I had a Bryce Harper and, and all these other kind of exciting teams, and the Braves were more just standing pat. And it's really incredible to see what they've done. I think what, But what's interesting about it with the Braves is that this fan base is very accustomed to winning all these division titles as they did throughout the 90s. And now it's like it's not good enough to just make the playoffs for the Braves. Like They need to kind of push on and and hit that next step, even though I think you can already arguing they're kind of overachieving with some of these kind of with the prospects who have come through so quickly, Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna, all of these guys. It's really exciting time. And I just think that the Braves in general, the organization, maybe hasn't gotten as much credit as I think they deserve uh, for a lot of success they've had recently these last couple of years. I don't know about you, Caleb. I love the optimism, but I've definitely been the Braves fan for so long who's just kind of like, yeah. This is a good-looking team, you know. We'll make the playoffs, losing the first round, kind of thing. Like the the true optimism of, oh, this is a World Series team. Like it feels so much like any other Georgia sport, where it's like, yeah, we're so close, but just not close enough. And and so that last season and coming into this year, you just you you felt that that. I don't know, that feeling come back again where it was like, all right, this is a team who maybe they didn't, uh, you know, spend where and all of the places that we maybe would have wanted them to, but there's definitely enough pieces there. And uh, how ironic is it that, you know, that we're we're kind of held waiting once again, like we were for for years, it felt like, of another championship. Now we're left waiting to, to get the season going where we feel like this is a team who could who could win it all and it, and that kind of segues to uh to what i think we wanted to, to focus on next guys because you know when when the music stopped if you will we were in a situation looking at the braves where you had a very intriguing rotation battle going on with the fourth and fifth starter spots uh, you didn't know when Cole Hamels was going to come back. You assume that he'll be part of the fold when we do resume play here pretty soon. Uh, and the other part of this, too, is that the third base job really didn't have a clear-cut winner to it either. So uh, I feel like a lot of these jobs that we thought were going to sort themselves out, when we stopped play a couple of weeks ago, guys, those things were far from certain. 
For sure. I mean, and I still think, and I can't say this enough with regards to the Cole Hamels situation, that situation is still far from certain. And I I say that not to say that I don't think he's going to come back at X point or whatever, but we just still don't know much about the injury. You know, like we knew, all we know essentially is that it's a shoulder injury that happened with during a weighted ball exercise. And that's about it. Like, you know, they said that they had this timetable of, you know, a month or whatever, or six weeks, I think, uh, from the time it was kind of announced at the beginning of spring training. But still, that was only a timetable of we will reevaluate and see where we're at in six weeks. So there's still not a ton known about the injury. I do think it is assumed that he will be back, you know, mid-June will be a kind of a safe assumption to say he would be pitching again. And obviously baseball, I don't think will be happening until before then at the very, very earliest. So yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting situation. I do think the Braves are kind of built nicely for this, the way that the season looks like it could be happening where you have a ton of games packed in. You've got double headers all over the place. I think you're likely looking at expanded rosters. I think that the Braves are set up pretty well having, you know, seven arms that could potentially be a a legitimate starting option for you to have some of those guys ready to go so that you can kind of cycle through and not risk so much injury. But I got to say, like, the day I was working at the studio doing updates the day that it kind of baseball actually yeah baseball did stop that day because I remember the Braves were playing a spring training game that I was trying to do updates for and it was surreal be like announcing all the cancellations and especially for like for us considering we work in sports it's like hmm <laughs> I'm announcing like doom for uh <laughs> our personal you know it's like our, our our personal lives like this is kind of our livelihood is following sports it was a surreal day for sure it was weird. We've had a couple of those even this year. Like, I remember after doing a show on 92.9, getting in my car and driving up to the Marietta Diner and then hearing Paul Crane come on the radio and say that Kobe Bryant was killed in a helicopter crash. And I thought that was going to be the most crazy thing that we had happen all year and for a very long time. And then, you know, a month, month and a half later, we're talking about the cancellation of our of our lives and and the cancellation of every sporting event that's out there and and I know that you know before we talk about what the season's going to look like uh, Caleb I think you know the fact that the Braves bolstered probably the one thing that's going to be the biggest test for a team whether it's a condensed schedule whether it's double headers or whether it's anything that involves the the, just the dissection of what our normal is when it comes to baseball. The fact that they've bolstered that bullpen in the way that they have, I think, gives the Braves an ultimate leg up on other on other comers inside this division and other, inside the National League. Yeah, it's funny you were you were talking about the the where you were kind of moment. You know, especially thinking the where you were moment for the year was going to be when you found out about Kobe Bryant. I was sitting in the press box of uh, the Pro Bowl. And I remember somebody like just kind of saying it out loud and everyone was just trying to figure out what was going on. And then fast forward a few weeks later, and now you have this complete work stoppage um, it is just so strange. But when it comes to you talking about the fact that the Braves did bolster the bullpen, which when everything does get back started is going to be a huge asset. It was something that Alex Anthopoulos touched on um earlier in the week when they did that at-home opener thing that, that they kind of broadcast across the, the Brave social media. So 
Alex was talking about the fact that, yeah, once we get into, you know, playing doubleheaders, playing, you know, um, these long series that we might to, to try to get in as many games as we can, that the Braves, they went out and spent money, that they have a bullpen that should be able to withstand uh, the the number of games and how close they will be together. It is kind of interesting to try to figure out um, what those guys are are doing while everything is shut down. Like uh, it was something Freddie Freeman talked about with our guys. You know, position players are able to kind of work out and do their normal stuff to an extent right now. But are what are pitchers able to do to try to keep themselves in a in some form of normal life during during them not being able to pitch? Yeah, it was funny. I was listening to um, Dave O'Brien's podcast with the Athletic, and he was and he and Eric O'Flaherty were talking. They made Eric O'Flaherty made a great point that was like, you can't just like throw to your wife or like any <laughs> yeah. other like like civilian because like they can't catch a major league curveball slider you know like they, they you can't just like throw to anybody and like guys are trying to throw against the wall and do, like do all kinds of things but really like none of that's really going to keep you in the shape you need to be in to you know start a season so it will be interesting in that respect and uh also kind of just shouting out some of our other media members Gabe Burns uh had an interesting interview with Leo Mazzoni where they talked about you know starting that season uh, after the strike and that, you know, guys didn't have the normal ramp up time in the spring training. And Leo Mazzoni said that it was going to then it well it affected the way that they kind of strategized how many innings pitchers were going to throw. And I think that the Braves, like you said, they're very well suited uh, for this kind of thing because of their depth. You know, like, they don't have the, you know, they've got Freddie Freeman, but they don't have like the, they don't have a team like the Phillies who I, uh, who I'd kind of contrast them with were a team that's like very top heavy, spent a lot of money on certain positions and then don't have kind of the depth that the Braves do. I think the Braves have that really solid depth that's actually going to help them even more in a season like this. That's going to be more of a sprint and a lot of games packed one after the other. So I, I, I totally agree. And I think that the Braves, the way they have these relievers, like think about it, you've got Mark Melanson and, Will Smith, like you, ha- you essentially have two closers. You've got like Chris Martin and Shane Green, two setup men. Like you, you could almost divide the Braves bullpen into like two mini bullpens and kind of like go off of like a schedule like that in terms of just using guys on certain days. Yeah, it's it's the envy of uh, a lot of people in baseball. And like I said before, this this could basically bolster up very well. My my biggest question, not just in the ramp up time, but but like what is it going to look like and. Uh, my, my best guess, and I'll, and I'll ask you guys too, my best guess is they're going to try to play something close to 80 to 100 games. Uh, I know they want to try and get something of a uh, of a World Series in either late November or early December. It might have to be at a neutral site. That could benefit the Braves, although, again, it all depends on, on how our city comes out of the coronavirus uh, aftermath because uh, we've talked about this a lot on our on our air about the fact that that we are one of the hot spots unfortunately so even though truest park might have uh the climate to to handle a uh a late november or early december world series it, it might not be the smartest thing when it comes to logistics and, and keeping people safe but the one thing that i do think needs to be addressed is not only what will the season look like but how will a champion in this 
in this particular season be treated? And not only how will this season, how, how do you set up the next season? Because are you going to have a shorter off season? Are you going to try to play 2021 on time? There's just a lot of factors that go into this, and I really think it has to be 80 to 100 games. I'm not opposed to doubleheaders. I'm not opposed to expanded rosters. I don't want to see a shortening of the game, though. I don't want to see seven-inning doubleheaders. That's the one thing that I think you need to keep the game, at least from its standpoint of... of familiarity you have to keep it as similar to the original as possible and again I know that that baseball does not want to play games without fans but I think if you want to get something on the field as sooner or sooner than uh than any of the anything else I think you have to go down that road I guess go ahead Caleb uh, I just to to kind of respond to to your point about you don't want to shorten games or you don't want to do anything weird why not let this be a guinea pig season of if you want to try some of these weird rules that that they're they're implementing at the the lower the single A and rookie ball kind of level why not just throw it in there i, I don't know maybe that's too chaotic but because you're already dealing with a with a shortened season and things aren't going to be going as normal as as they could why not use this as a test year to see what works and what definitely doesn't? Because that's what's going. To, that'll be what mostly happens is you'll have a lot of things that don't work, but work some things out and then try to move into a normal season in 2021. Well, I, I think that these two dynamics that we've kind of set up here interplay with one another, right? It's like the more, I think the more kind of interesting rules or different rules that you wouldn't use any other time, especially if you're talking about potentially shortening games or that kind of thing, I think the more you do of that, the more tainted the season in general will be. Like the more the more kind of, you know, people will be like, oh, if the, you know, the Yankees win the World Series, it, you know, whoever wins the World Series in 2020 is going to have an asterisk next to their name. Let's not, let's not like kind of paint that any other way. But I think that the more you do that stuff, the more it's going to, the more it's going to be like that. And I think that, you know, potentially could that affect, you know, fan the demand of fans? Like, well, if, if they think things are too weird or different than they used to be will they stop will they be, continue to be coming to games probably I mean I think people really want sports in their lives now more than ever but it will it is an interesting dynamic and I don't really have an answer for it but I do think that those things kind of interplay with one another and and I'm not against by the way using some of those interesting rules though I am with Will that I would not want to shorten games I think that that's kind of when you're talking about the timeline of a game or the things that define a baseball game, one of those things for me is that it's nine innings long. It's like playing three quarter football games instead of four or something, you know, it would just be, it would throw something in that's so different. It would affect the strategy of the game and it would just affect the way that the game is played in a very, uh, right. Like at its core, you know? So, um, but I'm willing to like definitely play around with things. I do. I, the whole situation is very, very interesting because, and it's not just baseball that's in this position, it's in all these sports, they have to kind of rewrite a new CBA and just like redo everything for this season because nothing that was in place before is really has much grounding now. So I think that you're going to be looking at obviously, you know, a new, a totally new schedule. We don't even know what it's going to be like yet. In fact, Will mentioned at the top of the show that we hope to be doing 
episodes, or we hope that these podcast episodes can land in your feeds on Mondays. And the reason we had been planning about that was because, uh, you know, usually it's a Sunday, it's a day game, it's a travel day for the players, so it'd be easiest for us to do a podcast after that Sunday afternoon game. But we don't even know if that's now going to be the case anymore. You know, so many things are up in the air. It will just... It'll be fascinating. Mike Conti gets really into like the logistics of like sorting out how things are going to work. He's already been doing that for the TV broadcasts coming in the fall today. So we need to get him. We need we need to get his opinion. I feel like he's really good at these things. Yeah, and I do think, and and I believe too that this could be something for baseball to gain because I think you you all probably agree with this is that baseball has seeded what was the number one sport level in our country to the NFL and had seeded that a long time ago. And I'm not saying that they can regain that, but maybe there's a way they can structure the season to win back some of the people that they had lost. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that shortening the game would ultimately do that, but I think it might give us a window into what a shorter season would look like. I think we look at, at baseball, we look at basketball and hockey and, and those seasons, and I think the biggest complaint of all three of those sports is that the season's too long. And, you know, when the NFL is talking about expansion, every other sport is talking about contraction. And so this might be an interesting case study in the ability for baseball to maybe condense down some of its games. And maybe you don't have to play 162. Maybe you can get away with 135 or 140. And and because of that, you might win some people back. Yeah, no, just as a quick aside, I actually have found in talking to people that people are intrigued at the prospect of a season that's cut in half. Because in baseball, it's so often you hear it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, you can kind of sleepwalk through a four-game series in June, and it doesn't really have much of a bearing on the rest of the season. But I think in this case, when, when you get down to this kind of time frame or this schedule, that does become an issue. And I think that that actually does intrigue Quite a few people. Now, of course, my friends are going to be kind of the younger group. Uh, I'm sure yours are as well. So it would be interesting to kind of see how how different fans uh, relate to that scenario that is going to be on the cards this year. But I do think it is intriguing for some interesting reasons. Yeah, you guys talking about, you know, shortened season and different things like that. I don't know how much that would actually ever change, even with a shortened season that, that we're going to see this year. Uh, because obviously they didn't revisit this in 95 with, a, you know, uh, a season that was cut short due to a strike. Like, I, I don't know that, that this coronavirus would would cause people to look at shortening the season. I am just, and, and maybe it's the, the youthfulness in me and the, the kind of person I, I like to look at things differently. I think this pushes harder for a season where you play less innings because Major League Baseball does need to catch up to most other sports who are who just don't play as long. They keep people's attention longer. They keep people's focus longer. And that's typically the biggest um, excuse that I hear from friends or just people that I know who, who don't tune into games or who turn them off early or who leave the game early. I've got family that does that all the time. Drives me crazy. For sure. But it, yeah, but it's because <laughs> of it's the length of those of those games. When you're playing number of games, now you're getting into you're you're getting into pocket watching. You know, guys' contracts, their money, 
and owners losing out revenue and all these kinds of things. But are you really going to lose out on that if you're only playing seven innings, if you're only playing six innings, whatever that that you try try to do? I don't know. That's just that's my thought when it comes to to making those big wholesale changes like that. But when you think about it, Caleb, there's a, a situation where if you have a, a shortened season or a, a sprint to the finish type season, then that increases the magnitude of every game more and makes it more of a of a must-see TV event. The, the, the problem with 95 is the, re- the reason why there wasn't a huge you know ratings spike is because people were angry. People were angry at uh-huh. the circumstances and they took their anger out and they voted with their wallets, they voted with their with their remote control. This is a situation that affects all sports. There's no angst toward Major League Baseball here. And I think because of that, you might actually see more intrigue in this season, not only because of the novelty of, of having sports back, but but having this sport in almost kind of a, again, you almost feel like it's an expanded playoff in its own right because it might be only 80 to, a, to 90 games, and, and every season has the magnitude of a playoff series or every series has magnitude of a playoff series as opposed to, say, you know, the random four-game series you might play uh, against, you know, pick whatever team at the bottom of the division, Miami Marlins. Yeah, well, the other thing to add on to this whole idea of, you know, people drawing interest is I think Major League Baseball, you know, if they end up being the first sport to get back to where they're playing live games, that's also going to draw interest because – I was talking to someone just the other day about, you know, they're not a big NBA fan, but they were like, look, if the NBA season starts tomorrow, you best believe my TV will be on it. And I think that's the case for for plenty of other sports fans is if Major League Baseball is the first one to get back, they they're they're going to draw that attention. Have you guys been watching the the virtual simulations at all? Like, you know, some people have been doing like MLB the show Sims on uh, on the Braves games, things of that nature. Yeah, I have I I have noticed that uh, Major League Baseball themselves haven't jumped on that trend, whereas the NBA has and the NFL has of getting you know top notch players playing each other. Because I know the especially one with NBA Two K, it's been really entertaining to see guys like Trey Young you know play and see how good they are, see how bad guys are like Kevin Durant at playing you know their own game in video game form. Uh, obviously, NASCAR is is doing really well just because it's it's one for one essentially like you can get those simulations where you're like you're in the car so it's it is interesting to see i don't know let's let's play some games with some top-notch you know mlb talent against one another yeah i've been watching a little bit not i didn't see the uh, nba one um but i heard it was all right uh i've been watching the racing though um same nascar Mm -hmm. And uh, I watch Formula One, but that's not really on TV. That's on YouTube. But still, it's a lot. It's just like the NASCAR, where they have the same announcers, you know, broadcasting the exact the exact same way as it normally would, and and the real guy is kind of racing. It is yeah, but it, it is kind of fun. It's legitimately an interesting competition for the racing because they're also set up on rigs in their houses. That's very much like what they would be doing in the cockpit of a car. You know, it's it would be like guys playing baseball with an actual bat in their hand, you know, swing, swinging in a batting cage or something and uh, having the results of that you know, display on a screen somehow. It is interesting. I, I think it just kind of it just shows how much we just want to, like, watch <laughs> <Yeah>. competition. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. people have been getting into marble racing. People have been getting into all sorts of things. Like, we just want to see something where we don't know what the end result's going to be, and we just you know, are in suspense watching it. Am I a bad person if I like the NASCAR iRacing more than, than real NASCAR racing? Well, I I would almost agree with you there. Uh, apart from the fact of, like, when you go to a live NASCAR race, like, that's oh, just... Oh, yeah, that's, much, much different. Yeah, much like, different. that's an experience you can never replicate. But watching it on TV, especially because you can have these guys who are, are unknown. I don't know. I always, I love to see underdogs. And it seems like with these iRacing games, like, you're seeing more of that. And it's just cool to see how guys... Like, like, guys can have a $250 rig and playing against a guy who has a $40,000 rig and can still beat them. Like, I, don't, I like that aspect of things. I didn't like the one yesterday, though, because it was at Bristol and it was like 15 cautions. The yellow whatever, flags were just... ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, we hope you guys have enjoyed this opening edition of Batter Up. Uh, we are going to try to, again, put these out here once a week as we get you towards whatever baseball looks like we'll talk a little bit more about what exactly the the sport will look like with the developments and also focus a lot more on on the Braves and and talk about where the Braves are at this point and and where they were once uh, once baseball stopped we'll talk about some of the intriguing guys to watch for and also look back at some of the Braves teams of old and talk a little bit more about the way things have gone for them, not only this spring, but also as we get closer and closer to the start of what the season might look like. Final thoughts, guys? My final thought is just everybody be safe, and let's get to next week where we can do this again, because today it just seems like it's that time where it's just about like moving from day to day and keeping your sanity. So that's all I'm trying to do. Yeah, so Joe going with the the very serious uh, thought, which is is obviously very important right now. I don't know. I'm always for the jokes, so just like stay sane, you know. Um, and take advantage of this time to do something that you otherwise would not be able to do. I'm learning to play guitar, and it's gone horribly so far. But <laughs> but yeah, just like just enjoy these moments I, i've been able to see people uh spending extra time with their kids or significant others whatever it may be but just value this time that that we're hopefully never going to have in these uh specific cir- uh circumstances so did carol baskin do it 100 yep 100 uh, yep okay. absolutely Okay, I just want to be sure we were all uh, in concert on I, that. I, That's my final I, thought. My brother works for Netflix, by the way, and I'm wow. not, I can't say any statistics, but it's like one of their most watched shows of all time. Because everybody's home. Yeah, every literally everybody's home to watch it, and would, it's amazing. Would Tiger King have had the impact that it had it not for the coronavirus? It's a good question. I probably, you know, this, on the metrics, it probably wouldn't have as much watchability. I still think it would have kind of the the impact on pop culture though because yeah, it's just so crazy everyone loves chaos and everyone loves like seeing something just kind of blow up in front of them because that and that's literally just what this entire story is is you you have a good idea where it's headed and you still want to see it happen i i love talking to people who are watching it for the first time and getting questions like oh my god she killed her husband did he feed her? Did she feed him with the tigers? Did, and like just hearing that, and I, I just keep texting back. I'm like, keep watching, yep. keep watching, keep watching, keep watching. 
And we hope you keep listening and keep listening and keep listening. Again, you can find this uh, wherever you get your podcasts and also download the Radio.com app if you have not already to get everything, uh, the latest on everything involving our Atlanta sports teams, the Braves, Falcons, Atlanta United, the Hawks, and also all the college teams as well. For Caleb Johnson, Joe Patrick, I'm Will Pelagic, and thank you for listening to Batter Up, a production of Radio.com and Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com, and the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.